0: Hey, Coastal, welcome. We're so glad that you're with us. I just want to go ahead and welcome our Coconut Creek and our Pompano Beach campus here with us today. Uh, we're excited that you're joined us this morning as we're concluding this series called The Church God Sees. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm, I'm actually out of town right now, but I wanted to be able to speak this message to you guys because this series has really been about some things that are very, very important to me personally, but also very, very important to our church. Really, the church that God sees are some of the things that we value as a church. And over the last four weeks, we've been talking about some some qualities that I believe that every follower of Jesus Christ should have in their lives. And if those qualities are are evident and growing, man, it's just going to be this glorious, radius church that I believe that God desires for each and every one of us. And listen, if you've missed some of the weeks in the past, I want to encourage you to go to our website or check out our app uh, and and go back and listen to those messages or watch those messages online because I I promise you, if we're truly going to be the church that God sees, and a lot of times we think the church is a building or it's a service, and, and that's an aspect of the church, but the Bible actually says that you and I, we are the church. And so if we are going to be this glorious, radiant church that Jesus is going to come back for, then there are some things that we should be displaying in our lives. And so I believe that that Jesus has some great things for us in store in the future. And you know, since we began this church, one of the things that I've done as your pastor is I've signed every single email, loving God, loving people, and showing it. That's my desire for each and every one of us that our lives would really embody that, that we would be out there loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we would love people with that same fierceness, and that everything that we do would show that that it would be evident in our lives on a daily basis. And, And I think that a lot of times what happens for people is they come into a church environment, whether it's our church or somebody else's church, and they find this incredible relationship with Jesus and they make a decision. I want to make Jesus uh, my savior. I, I want that ticket to heaven. And after they make the decision, it, comes, it kind of comes to this place where they go, what do I do next? Like, what is my next step? And for most people, we just want to jump from like, oh, I don't know anything to I am 100% sold out, fully devoted to God. And we think that there is some sort of pill or there is some one, two, three kind of quick process to get us to this place where we're 100% devoted to God. And we kind of equate Christianity to microwave popcorn. You put it in for three minutes and bam, you got a full microwave bag there ready to go. And our walk with God just isn't that way. It's not something that happens very, very quickly. It's actually done through the daily decisions that we make that really grows us in our faith. But for a lot of people, they equate growth in their spiritual life to going to church. And I'm all about going to church, but I don't think that that's really going to grow our faith in the way that God intended to. In fact, it kind of reminds me of... Uh, a couple years ago, I got really big into going to the gym and working out. I don't actually go to the gym anymore and work out. I, I, I'm a CrossFitter. I have a CrossFit whole rig in my garage, and so I work out at home. But I used to go to the gym, and in fact, I used to weigh about 270 pounds, if you can believe that. I'm kind of looking good right now, huh? Yeah, got slimmed down, to you, especially when you turn to the side, slimming down. I, I, I actually walk around 180, 190 pounds today but I remember when I first started going to the gym and and I would show up at 7 a.m. at LA Fitness in Coconut Creek it's where all the beautiful people went to the to to work out and so I wanted to be beautiful so I showed up I thought just showing up would make me beautiful and, and I had a routine I walked in with a routine and every day I'd go and work out a different body part and at the end of the day I'd walk upstairs To where all the cardio machines were and I would sit up top and I would run on a treadmill and I would judge other people come on you know you do it too but I was up there I was I was judging other people and I'll never forget there was a guy that would show up every single day uh, kind of a middle-aged gentleman he wore some like really short shorts what I would call Daisy Dukes for dudes and uh, he had some long socks on and he would wear this tank top not like a normal tank top, but like an 80s tank top with like the holes in it to where it was kind of see-through, kind of grossed me out a little bit. But he would come to the gym and I would watch him from the treadmill every single day. And he'd walk around and he would talk to people. Every once in a while, he'd pick up a, a, a dumbbell and do a curl or two, trying to show off those muscles that everybody sees. He'd walk over the bench, do one a bench or two, do lift a little bit, walk around and talk to some more people and then walk out the door. And this would happen day in and day out. And over the next year's time, I I, I saw myself lose over 45 pounds and my body drastically change. And I watched this guy come in every day and nothing changed about his life. Like there was not, uh, you couldn't tell that he had ever lifted a weight. You couldn't tell that he had ever shown up to the gym because the reason that is, is because a lot of people think that by just showing up in life, that things are going to change. And a lot of us have mistaken spiritual growth with just going to church. And Jesus didn't call us to just show up at church. He called each and every one of us to follow him. Now, I'm not against showing up to church. In fact, I encourage you to do that. I love the local church. We pray for other churches. It's important for you to be involved in the local church. But it's more important that we do some things on a daily basis that will cause us to grow. See, a lot of us, for a lot of us, what happens is is we end up finding salvation, which is a ladder to heaven. You know, it's the, the price that Jesus paid. And all of us, we want to get to heaven... But a lot of us, instead of making our way there here on earth, what we do is we think to ourselves, well, I would like to be at this place in my spiritual walk. I would like to grow. I I look around the church and I see people that are are passionate about Jesus who are doing incredible things. And they're up here and and I don't know how to step from here to there. And a lot of us, what we want to do is we want to make the jump from the ground to the top without any of the steps in between. And so when we realize that we can't just make this instantaneous jump, what we do is we go, well, I don't know how to take my first step. And so instead of taking any steps, we we, we allow complacency where we just go, you know what, someday I'll get to that. To take over in our lives when I have time, when when the kids get a little bit older, you know, when my job slows down a little bit, then I'll start taking those steps. Or we allow our past. You know, I grew up around the church, and and when I took a step before, I got guilted and I got shamed and I got condemned, and therefore I know what taking a step means because that's what I've experienced in the past, and so I don't want to do that. Or you're just afraid. Well, if I take a step, what happens if it doesn't work right? What happens if I don't do it right? And so what happens? is we allow fear to keep us from becoming the person that God wants us to become. And God has called every one of us to take steps of faith to grow in our relationship with him. The problem is, is that a lot of us, we're just living this complacent, mundane life. And God has not called you and I to live a complacent, mundane, ordinary, safe life. He's called us to run after him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And so this is the reality for every single one of us that have found a relationship with Jesus, is that healthy people grow. Listen, if you want to be a healthy person, there is some growth that is going to take place in your life. And in order for you to be healthy, health starts with you making some decisions to be healthy. Just like I made a decision years ago to go to the gym and start working out. Why? Because I wanted to be healthy physically. I made some decisions about my diet because I wanted to be healthy physically. If we want to be healthy spiritually, and we want to be growing people spiritually, then we've got to make some daily decisions that will help us grow. And growth is an intentional decision. It's something that we decide to do on a daily basis. And I know that some of you are like, well, but some people, they they just make a decision for Jesus and all of a sudden everything changes. And yeah, that's the random case. But for the vast majority of us, we've had to make choices that have led us to this place where we are growing in our faith. And I don't know about you, but I want to live my life on purpose and with purpose and for a purpose. And and I want a better life. I want a healthy life. And so I know that if healthy people grow, what that means is that if I'm growing, growing people are going to change. Because this is what I know, is if you and I were following Jesus, we are not going to stay the same. There is going to be some substantial differences in our life. The way that we used to talk is not going to be the way that we currently talk if we're following Jesus. The way that we used to think is not going to be our current thought process if we're following Jesus. The way that we used to act is not going to be the current way that we act if we're truly following Jesus with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. He's going to be changing how we see, how we hear, how we react to other people, because that's what Jesus does as we follow him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you can't be growing with Jesus and not changing. And so what I want for every single one of us is I want all of us to realize that we are in this process. If we are going to be healthy people, then we are going to be growing. And if we're going to be growing, then we're going to be changing in our lives. And one of the greatest examples of this is the Apostle Paul. Uh, I don't know if you know much about the Apostle Paul, but he actually was called Saul in the beginning. And and before he ever found Christ, he actually persecuted the church. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, which in other words means that he was one of the top religious people out there. And because of that, he saw Christianity as, as a threat to his way of life. And so instead of finding out about it, he persecuted it. Kind of sounds like what happens today. If we don't understand something, we just hate it. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And so he had this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus and it changed everything about him. And as he had this encounter with Jesus, he ended up finding a relationship with God. He ended up realizing that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one can come to God except through him. And so he had to give up some of his thoughts and some of his ways. And over time, as his relationship started developing, Saul ends up go, or Paul ends up going and becoming one of the greatest church planners throughout the world. In fact, the Bible that we read, like two-thirds of the New Testament that we talk about here on Sunday morning at Coastal, was written by the Apostle Paul. And so Paul is this incredible example of healthy people grow and growing people change. And in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, Paul says this, Now, granted, at this point, he's planted hundreds of churches. God has done some incredible things through him and in him, uh, in his life. And he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so somehow attaining the resurrection from dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. In other words, he says, listen, even though I, I have salvation, like that isn't it for me. Like salvation isn't enough. Like I want something more than just settling for an ordinary mundane life. There is something more to my life than just arriving safe in heaven. I've got something greater. I've got something bigger. I've got something better, he says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, he's saying, listen, I'm not going to let the past dictate my decision, but straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, listen, all of us in life, we've made these decisions, and he's saying, listen, Even at the state that I'm at, I'm still pressing on. I'm still doing some things that are driving me forward to grow in my relationship with God so that I can be a healthy individual, so that when I get to heaven, God says, well done, good and faithful servant. And that is the goal for all of us. And so if we're going to be a person that is pressing on and straining towards the things that God has for us, there are some daily decisions that I think you and I have to make. What I would say are disciplines that need to be in our lives if we're going to be healthy people in life, because healthy people are growing and growing people are changing. So there's five things I want to talk to you about today. that I think that every single one of us, if we're going to be following Jesus on a daily basis, should be participating in, in some level in our life. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, number one, you and I, we've got to read your Bible. We've got to read our Bible. It's so amazing to me that so many people say, man, I want to hear God's voice, TJ. But they'll never pick up his word. They'll never get into the scriptures of the things that God has already said. And what they'll do is they'll say, you know what, I I just don't have time for that. They'll make excuses for it. They'll say, like, it's just not in my schedule. And they're the same people that will go home and watch SportsCenter for three hours straight. Listen, it's a one hour show. Those other two times you're watching it afterwards, it's a rerun of it. It's not new information. You've got time. You just don't make time. And we need to get in God's word and we need to start to learn who God is. Because a lot of people think, well, I, I read the Bible for God's direction. No, no, no. The re- it's great. There's some direction in here. But the reason we read the Bible isn't to get direction. It's to know who God is. It's to understand his heart, his passion, his love for people. Because here's the thing. You're not going to follow the direction of God if you don't trust the God who gives the direction. And the only way you're going to trust the direction giver is if you know the character and the nature of the person that's given the direction. And the only way you do that is if you get to know God. That's what the Bible does, and He's calling us to know Him. There's a great verse in Psalm 119, 105. It says, "Your word is a lamp for my feet, and a light on my path." God says, "I'm a lamp." And I'm a light. A lot of people think that this verse is giving them direction. But it's not. What this verse is doing is it's giving them focus. See, that's what God does. He focuses. See, it's our feet that he's bringing light to. He's focusing on something. It's our path that he's lighting up. He's focusing on something. And every time we get in God's word, it focuses in on us. To reveal the character and the nature of God. And listen, I understand that for some people, the the Bible is overwhelming. It's one of the reasons why we we give you these, these devotionals all the time. They're sitting in your worship gods or they're at the information center right now so that daily you can, every day, you can open up and you can read some scripture, you can read a devotional so you can grow in your relationship with God, so you can understand the character. In the nature of God don't just go to the Bible and just open it because what will happen is this is what will happen somebody will go grab their Bible and they'll be like uh I'm gonna pick a scripture today uh how about this one Judas went and hung himself uh, okay that probably doesn't apply to me today let me go go and find a different one uh, uh go and do look likewise oh that sucks like, that isn't what God is after. You want to start reading your Bible? You need a Bible. Go to the information center. We'll give you a Bible. Go and start reading a Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels in the New Testament. Start reading about the character and the nature of Jesus in life. And I promise you, it will change your life. Listen, I don't know a single person that is growing in their relationship with God and is healthy that does not practice daily Bible reading. It's just instrumental to you being healthy and having great growth. Number two, if you're taking notes, confession and repentance. Confession and repentance, you know, just like the Bible is taking a step, it's helping you understand who God is. Confession and repentance is you taking a step in as well. James chapter five tells us that, that the healing that a lot of us are looking for in life comes through confession and repentance. It it comes from us realizing that God wants to transform some things in our lives. See, a lot of people, what they do is they think that Jesus and the church is all about you and I modifying our behavior. Like, listen, if you can just get your behavior right in life, then everything else will be good in life. And so we have this concept that God just wants to modify my behavior. And the reality is, is God could care less about your behavior. What God cares about is your heart. See, Jesus didn't come to modify your behavior. Jesus came to renovate your heart. And he knows that what you're doing behaviorally is a byproduct of something that is broken inside of you. There's a hurt that's inside of you. There's a disappointment. There's a lack that is causing that behavior to happen in your life. So he's not really concerned about your behavior. He's concerned about what is happening in your heart. And so he's saying, hey, let's deal with that thing. And that's what confession and repentance is all about. It's us recognizing what are the broken things that are happening in our heart. And the thing that you can count on about Jesus is that he's going to come and he's going to mess with your heart. It's so what he cares about is what he is after. It's what he is passionate about. And he's not looking for good people and perfect people. He's looking for people that'll look and be honest with themselves and saying, hey, here's where I've got some issues. Here's where I've got some problems. God, I need some help right here. I need you to intervene in this situation. In fact, I, I can even show it to you scripturally that God cares more about your heart than even what's going on in your life. We'll take it even from the Old Testament. There's a passage of scripture in Ezekiel chapter 14 and Ezekiel was a prophet of God to the children of Israel and this is what it says. Some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down in front of me. And it, In other words, this would be the equivalent of, of you and I coming to church and uh, they would come to the prophet because the prophet would speak for God and It's one of the reasons why we come together at church, not that that I I speak for God, but we come together and as a community, God speaks to us in a community reason. It says, uh, I, I think it's important, number one, for our relationship with God and for our relationship with one another that we're all on the same page. It helps us do that. He says, then the word of the Lord came to me, son of man. These men have set up idols in their hearts. See, again, Jesus is about your heart not your behavior, and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts, Jesus is after your heart, not your behavior, and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to a prophet, I, the Lord, will answer them myself. In keeping with their great idolatry, I will do this to recapture the hearts of the people of Israel. See this pattern over and over again. God and Jesus are after your heart, not your behavior, who have all deserted me for their idols. Translation of this is if there's an idol in your heart, God is coming after that thing because he wants your heart. So here's how that plays out in our life. Every time you come to church, you know what the pastor is talking about? He's talking about the idol that's in your heart because that is how God is gonna speak through his church to you. And that's why some people will show up at church and go, you know what, all TJ talks about is is God sleeping with their girlfriends. And you wanna know why that's what you hear when I speak? Because the idol in your heart is you're sleeping with your girlfriend. Or you'll say to yourself, all that church talks about is money. You want to know why? Because the idol in your heart is money. Or all they talk about is serving. You want to know why? Because the idol in your life is your time. See, you'll always scream out when somebody hits a sore spot in your life. And what happens is, is every time you come into this place, because God is after your heart, What he does is he kind of sticks his finger in that wound, hoping that you'll recognize the hurt that's in your life so that all of a sudden you can go, God, this is an issue that I haven't been able to solve. This is an issue that I haven't been able to overcome. Maybe it's time for me to bring that to you and allow you to work in my life. And so my question for you today is, is what is that thing that God keeps pressing on in your life that continues to cause you pain but you continually push back on Him with? What is keeping you from taking that step and going, God, I'm going to give this to you so I can move out of being in bondage to this idol to living in freedom with you? And I would encourage you, church, I would encourage you today. Don't walk out of here without talking to God and honestly, probably talking to somebody else. You know, at the end of our services, we always have some people that are available for prayer. Man, they're there to help you. They're there to help you take your next step in life. They're there to pray with you. Maybe some of you today, you know, we confess our sins to God for forgiveness. The Bible actually says we confess to one another for healing. Maybe today's the day you need to take that step and find some healing in your life. Number three, giving. Come on. Everybody's excited about giving, aren't they? Woohoo! You, everybody loves talking about giving, everybody loves this. Subject. I knew everybody would be excited about it. I, I, I want to explain this a little bit differently here. Um, I, I don't know about you, but we have football season starting up. College football is where it's at, and and I know that in South Florida, there's there's two teams that are the predominant teams in South Florida. There is the University of Miami, the U, the Miami Hurricanes. Any Hurricanes fans out there, come on, give it up for your Hurricanes. Come on, put the U up proud, show it off, okay? And then, then the other kind of Florida team is the Florida State Seminoles. I know we got a ton of Seminoles fans in here. We got a lot of graduates, the oh, oh. oh, oh. So we got some, this is what I know. These two schools, they hate each other. Like University of Miami fans hate Florida State fans. Florida State fans hate the U fans. I mean, it, it's like when they play every year, like you cannot be a University of Miami fan and have any love for FSU it's just not possible it's not right in fact a true fan like even if Florida State is playing another team will not root for Florida State because they are a University of Miami fan which means they hate Florida State and anything that Florida State represents same thing if you're a Florida State fan and Miami's playing somebody else doesn't matter who they're playing you hate Miami so you're going to root for that other opponent you can't root for both these teams at the same time it's an impossibility if you are a true follower of one of these teams. Doesn't matter. And Jesus actually talks about this very same rivalry that isn't just a football rivalry, but it's a life rivalry. He talks about it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, man, you can't truly be a follower of Jesus if your money does not reflect your devotion to him. Now, I know some of you guys will give me some pushback on that and go, well, I don't believe that, that I should give money to the church and I should give money to God. And, and sir or ma'am, the only problem with that is this book called The Bible. Because it kind of says some things a little bit differently. And what he's talking about here is he's talking about your treasure. And, and he goes on in verse 24, and he actually says this. No one can serve two masters. So you can't serve, you can't serve University of Miami, and you can't serve Univers- or, or Florida State. You can't serve both these masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What's interesting is Jesus says the number one competitor for your heart and my heart is not team God and team devil, which is what most of us think. Well, I'm serving God or I'm serving the devil. No, no, no. He says, listen, the number one competitor for your heart is your stuff. Says the number one competitor is your money. Which just tells me that if you haven't faithfully learned how to give to God, then you haven't faithfully learned how to follow God. And listen, nothing will grow your relationship with God like trusting Him with your money and your stuff because it takes a lot of trust to go, God, I'm going to trust you with my first and my best. And as you start to trust Him with that, all of a sudden, it starts to do some things in your life. So it's to change your life. In fact, it starts to make you more like God. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave. His one and only Son, God gave. See, God is calling us not to be takers, but God is calling us to be givers in life for our time, our talent, Our treasure. So what's that? Is that a struggle for you? Is that a step that you need to take? Number four, if you're taking notes, is this idea of sharing your faith. And I, I realize that this is a, is a difficult one. It's about you explaining to other people and telling other people about Jesus And this is what I know, is that when you start to share your faith, it will grow your faith. It will grow you. It will cause you to learn some more about God. In fact, in Philemon chapter 1, verse 6, this is the apostle Paul, the same God that we talked about in the very beginning. And he says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. He says, man, he says, I I want you to start sharing your faith because it will help you to become effective in the full knowledge of God. If you want to be effective in your relationship with God, you got to start sharing your faith uh, uh, about God. That means that you and I, we've got a responsibility to share what God has done in our lives with other people. And I think one of the things that we struggle with is because we don't really know what God has done for us, it's hard for us to share what God is doing in us. And and what I mean by that is is a lot of us, we've forgotten what we've been saved from and what we've been transformed from. And we've lost sight of the fact that we were lost and now we're found, that we are broken and now we're healed, that we were addicted and now we've been set free. And when we start to remember those things and we start to re- see those things, all of a sudden we start to practice those things in our lives and we start to remember, man, God has done some incredible things. And so therefore, because God has blessed me with so much, man, I want to share that with other people. I want them to have that same experience. But what I also know is that man, it can be kind of scary to do that. You don't know exactly how to do that. And so one of the things that we've said here at Coastal is, is, hey, let's partner together. You go and you build a relationship with your friends and your family and your coworkers and your neighbors and invite them to church. And listen, next week is a great week to invite your friends to church. We're starting a brand new series next week called Mixtape, Love, Sex, Dating, and Marriage. It's gonna be unbelievable. We're gonna be going back to the 80s and the 90s talking about relationships. Relationships and how it applies to our lives today. And if we do one thing really, really well here at Coastal, man, is talking about relationships. My favorite subject. God's got a lot to say about it. Listen, you got invite cards. You got invite cards that are like this, that are generic. You got mixtape invite cards in your worship guide. Go invite somebody. Let's partner together, and I promise you, that Sunday that they show up at church and they hear a message preached by some good looking bald dude and they see God through that, God will change your life and that will be the most transformational weekend that you've ever experienced. And listen, when you start to recognize what God has done through you, you won't be able to be quiet to everyone else because you know the power of Christ is at work within you. Number five, Fifth step that I think that we have got to take if we're going to fully be experiencing this healthy life where we're growing, and that's serving. So many people think that just attending church equals involvement in church. That that means that they are active in their faith. No, no, no. Activity in your faith is when you're actually putting your faith into practice. Not just showing up. And I realize we live in a busy society today. People have got a lot going on. And you've got kids pulling you to events. You've got work pulling you over here. You've got social things pulling you over here. You've got recreation pulling you back here. And there's so many things that are pulling you away. The problem is, is we forget something very, very important. We forget the fact that in Luke 22:19, 19, Jesus said He took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, He took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in re- remembrance of me. And I think it's hard for us to look at a God who sent his son to die a sinner's death on a cross that was meant for us and say, I just don't have time for that. And honestly, it's not like God is asking a ton from you. It's not like we ask a ton from you. We're asking for maybe an hour or two of your time a month. We're asking you to sacrifice some time to give back so that people can have the same experience you had with God. See, every single one of us is called to serve. We're not requested to serve. We are required to serve. Jesus said, I have come into this earth not to be served, but to serve others by giving my life as a ransom for many. And then he told us, go and do likewise. That wasn't like, hey, if you feel like it, why don't you figure out some time that, that might, you might have some availability to do that? No, no, no. That was a command from Jesus that says, man, you need to go do that. And listen, I'm not trying to guilt you into this. Because here's the deal. Here's what I know. As your pastor, you will never discover the purpose of your life until you start serving other people. Like, you're not gonna find the purpose of your life in having kids or raising a family. Like, that might be a part of your purpose, but your unique God purpose is going to be found when you start serving other people that don't do anything for you. That's when you start to discover how and why and for what God created you because God has called all of us to serve other people. And listen, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. So like, I don't care where you serve. I don't care if that's in the church. I don't care if that's at a nonprofit. I don't care if that's the homeless community. I don't care if that's a, a, a food bank. I don't care where it is. All of us are, are encouraged and admonished and told that, man, this is something that has got to be a part of our faith. And this isn't something I just talk about. This is where I started at. I know it's true. I started in a a church vacuuming on a Saturday morning. The carpets when Nobody else was there. I was doing the things in the secret that nobody wanted to do. And as I did the things in the secret that nobody wanted to do, God gave me opportunities to do the things that everybody wanted to do. See, what we want to do is we want to jump to the place where we're doing everything that everybody wants. To do, And we've never done the things that nobody wants to do that develops the character that's necessary to do the things that everybody else wants to do that are necessary for you to fulfill the purpose and plan that God has for your life. See, if you're not serving people for Jesus on a consistent basis, you're not becoming the person that God has called you to be. And I want you to be fulfilled, and I want you to live that life and to grow into that life and to discover that life. And I've just found that people that are consistently putting this practice of serving others strategically in their lives and throughout their lives are typically the healthiest followers of Jesus that I ever meet. And here's why it's so important. Because when we empty ourselves serving others, we give God a chance to fill us up. See, what God wants us to do is God wants us to get in his word and start to discover who he is so that we can understand who God is, so that, so that we're able to trust him and go, God, man, you want so many great things for my life. You want so many incredible things for my life that, that all of a sudden, you know what, I'm willing to do some confession of repentance because I know your nature. I know that you love me, that you're passionate about me. And so all of a sudden, man, there's, here's this sore spot. We, we take a moment and we go, God, this is where I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. And then we go, okay, God, you're fixing those things. Man, I'm gonna trust you with my finances. I'm gonna put you first in my life. And as I start to give you my all of a sudden, as I'm doing that daily and I'm saying, God, I trust you in every single aspect of my life, all of a sudden, your life is is changing in some different ways. And all of a sudden, because you see God doing so much, you start telling your friends and your family and your co-workers, you start sharing your faith. And all of a sudden, your faith, you're telling everyone you know about this amazing God who's transforming your life. And, And as you're doing that, you say, man, how can I use my life? To impact other people because I don't want to just do this life for myself. I want to impact others. And all of a sudden, what happens in life is, is that your circumstances of life don't really change. The problems that you're facing are no different than they were before. But you're different. See, before where you used to be in the middle of all your problems, where you used to be in the middle of all of your circumstances, now you've risen above them because you've got a totally different perspective. You've got a totally different view on life. Because Jesus didn't say he was going to change the outside. What he said is he was going to change the inside. And being healthy... Starts first as an internal thing. Starts with the renovation of your heart. It starts with the daily disciplines of getting in God's word, confessing and repenting, giving, trusting God, your time, your talent, your treasure, sharing the good things that God has done. And giving your life to change other lives. Church, I believe that if we are going to be the church that God sees, then we've got to be a people that are healthy and growing. And because we're healthy and growing, we are changing. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, I just come before you and I thank you for each and every person that's out in these rooms here today. God, and I pray that as They're listening to your voice and your words. These aren't my words. This isn't my voice. This is your voice. What you want more than anything else is for people to really know you. Not only to know you, but to trust you. And maybe you're out there today and you're listening to this and you're going, man, I'm going through a lot of things in life and I haven't had... I don't have the perspective that you're talking about. I, I feel like I'm down on the ground. Maybe I've never even encountered the latter. And maybe today is the day that you need to encounter the creator of the universe and the savior of your soul, Jesus Christ. Maybe today it isn't about rules and religion, but today God wants to establish a relationship with you. And it's really, really simple to do. It starts with a prayer, but it doesn't end there. It starts with a prayer saying, God, I realize that you sent your son 2,000 years ago to die on a cross for me, for my sin, for my shame. And I believe that three days later, he rose again, defeating death in the grave so that I could have a life and I could have it more abundantly. God, I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life. Save me, transform me, renew me. And here's the deal. If you pray that prayer right now, God will come into your life. But here's the thing. The next step is on us. See, God wants every single one of us to take our next step. And your next step might be the first step. It might be the fifth step. I don't know what it is. But today my prayer is is, is that you would take that step. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.